Hello and welcome to another episode of Sparklight, the Star Trek podcast. From a non-Trekkie perspective, I'm Liam Dempsey and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Matt. Hello. And Paul. Hello. And we are here to discuss yet another season of New Trek. We are catching up at light speed. And this episode, we are covering Star Trek Lower Decks. Season 3. Starfleet, get to Starfleet. Prepare yourself for Warp 10 excitement. Discover the undiscovered country. The USS Cerritos remains impounded while their captain stands trial. Have you lost your mind? Captain Carol Freeman stands against... I can't believe this. I wonder how Mariner's taking it. Oh, I'm taking it. Taking it to the limit. Did you time your entrance to say that? What? No. Oh, yeah, she did. Starfleet isn't all about being fed fruit by erotic aliens with slightly different nose ridges. I could get real used to this kind of treatment. Sometimes you gotta get your hands dirty. It's on. This is an unauthorized launch. So begin the greatest adventure of your lives. Yeah! These broken rocks are reading our nightmares, but I don't like my nightmares. Behold! So magical! There's gonna be times when you need to make a mess of things before you can fix them. Like how I'm gonna have to cut this guy's foot off so he can grow him a new one. Wait, what was that? Whatever happens, we're gonna be right beside you. We're in this together. Let's go! My head! More Starfleet! Hell yeah! First broadcast between the 25th of August 2022 to the 27th of October 2022 on Paramount Plus. Only six months out. So yeah, we're we're getting closer and closer to the present day. But yeah, Lower Decks, so uh, we obviously covered the first two seasons of Lower Decks previously. The first season famously Mm. is the season that almost almost caused me to check out on a Star Trek show. Um, at the end, but you know, I said I'll come back and give the second season a chance. I did the first episode, it kind of won me over. And at season two, I thought was a marked improvement. So now, season three, where will I fall? That is the question. Well, with this uh, show, is thought you know, they're always so small episodes and bite sized, and everyone's a standalone thing that you can just you might get a duffer, you might get a gooder, but you can easily get through. And I like shows. Or a gooder. I is like... gooder a word? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> but I've discovered recently I like shows like this. Like, I've just finally started doing Star Wars Visions because the trailer for that second season dropped and looked really great. So they're like, even shorter than they're short. Yeah, they're like between 14 and 23 minutes, depending on what they are. Okay. That volume one of all the Japanese studios, some really interesting stories. But it's like, th- that's cool to see stuff that's markedly not canon at all not trying to be it's all new characters most of the time and it's just one and done stories it's like oh that was a cool one i want to see what the next one does and uh yes i'm getting through that i've got like five four or five more to do and then may the fourth the second series and oh so the first season was all japanese yeah it's just like manga anime kind of style now it's all around the world so you've got argman for uk cartoon saloon irish uh a spanish one i think another japanese one 
You would have thought Ghibli will be getting involved at some point, given that they did the little Baby Yoda yeah. animation, which is basically our screensaver. Exactly, yeah. It's like, come on, give us a season three where it's like a Pixar, a Laika, a Ghibli. Yeah. Do all the main ones left. Well, I've never even heard of this show, you just mentioned it, but the Pixar would be like it coming home. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, it's right there. It's, well, it was Lucas. Yeah, yeah. His... So you haven't... Oh, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. You haven't heard of Visions? No. So it's just an anthology show with a different animation studio doing each episode and just doing a standalone story set in whatever part of the Star Wars universe they want or something adjacent to the first one in season one. It's sort of like a alternate Star Wars world where it's mostly feudal Japan-like but with remnants of old stormtroopers and Sith and stuff and it's really, really cool. And that's a really striking black and white Kurosawa Star Wars, which is of course where I'm yeah. kind of stems from anyway. So but, I, I thought they, you know, I know they, they did like a comic version of like the Star Wars original screenplay that was like the first draft with Oh yeah, the Star the Star War. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, see a Star War. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah, <laughs> they like, did you know, release that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'd like to see that animated. That sounds like quite a good way of suggesting that. Yes, yeah, there is a comic book. I think Dark Horse Comics released that before the license went to Marvel when Disney bought Star Wars. But yeah, in season two of Star Wars Visions, yeah, the big news is Ardman are doing an episode with Dennis Lawson returning uh, as his character from Return of the Jedi. Well, all, all the trilogy he was in. But like, the weird thing is he was dubbed in all three. Was yeah, because he's like he's got a Scottish accent, and he was dubbed by an American. Oh, that's very no, odd. No, so oh, well, they, they, his voice will. But I think he used his, his own voice in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay. He oh, yes, he came back from Rise of Skywalker, didn't he? He he's at the end, isn't he? Yeah. When suddenly there's loads of ships there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, he's like the whole, he's on your left. <laughs> he, has, he has a little line with like um, with Lando, doesn't he? Nice flying, Lando. Alvin did say, like, oh, yeah, we've given Wedge more lines in our short than he's had in the entire saga so far. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be interesting. And, yes, yeah, certainly, I think if it's successful, season three will probably yeah. be like her and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So the point being, anthology-ish shows where it's, you know, standalone stories. I think in a world where we're coming from with Discovery, as we've said, being so serialised and Strange New Worlds, they're all so thrilled to be back to mostly standalones. Like, especially with animation, it's like, yeah, this is... So you're still, what you're saying is you're still a big Lurdex stan. You still low-key love this, which I brought up in when our season two review, which you denied <laughs> that you said, and I actually, on the edit, got the clip <laughs> from season one, where it's like, well, you're like, I never said this. It's like... <laughs> I low key love this. Yeah. I do. Just turn it into the rest of the development. Yeah. I don't care for Job. <laughs> I don't care for Lower Decks. But are, love you, it. are you still in that place? No. You no, I mean, this is it. Like, I, I enjoy it a lot, and I'm always like, because it doesn't take long to do all 10 episodes, although saying that, I struggled to get this done in time because I was watching so much else and had a lot going on. But it's like. Yeah, unless it's like, you know, five in a row that I'm, I'm not feeling, I'll always carry on with stuff like this because Abel was doing it for the show and also because, like, I like the idea of an animated Star Trek series with these types of characters. I love, I love a lot of these characters here. So, yeah, I think it's always going to be hit and miss. But uh, I enjoyed this series. But like Bold Boimler, you say yes to <laughs> watching more Lower Decks. <laughs> uh, Paul, are you, you, you've been pretty up on lower decks in general i think i think it's been still... yeah it, well i think it's uh 
it's never it's not really made me laugh out loud right it has made me kind of like exactly you know know, grin and sometimes like you know um, (laughs) 30 episodes of (laughs) yeah yeah um and I, th- yeah, I think this this show this season did have a couple more where it may move you up to a layer. Ha! A single hat. By season but, seven, uh, we'll get a know, lot of fun. You know, and I I kind of like, you know, for me, Easter eggs are like the famous fucking thing. Right. Like, yeah, it is lazy, and it's full of them. And yeah, season two, was it's one big Easter egg. And it just like the more they kind of do this re- self-referential stuff, I'm like, okay, it's nice to hear. Like some of these actors get, you know, get a day's work, you know. Um, so uh, you've got like Martok coming back for like doing a board game, and it's really see, but it feels like, uh, what is this show for? Like, it's not telling me anything. It's just sort of like giving me experiences, like little kind of like, you know, it feels like a robot chicken. Was the um, what what do people call it? Member berries. Mm-hmm. berries That's what yeah. people like to call. It them. doesn't add up to anything. It feels very hollow for for that. Like, and um, we are in the age of DiCaprio clicking and pointing at the screen. Hey, I know that thing. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, sort of like you know, I kind of feel like do I want to be the person that turns to Sophie and says, "Oh, that's this." It's like, does <laughs> she does she care? Because she might actually yeah, she said, "I don't care." Does she does she enjoy a lot of that? Yeah, she enjoys it. Yeah, surely she, she'd be on the same page. Where I turn to you and go, "Hey, this is from Voyager, don't you know?" Yeah, she's good uh, with that. Like, I'm just I'm just gonna try to get the episode list. On the bottom, well, I have all the episodes written yeah. down. So yeah, you're kind of middling on it. So I, I, yeah, I think I. Yeah, I I love to say I did skip one episode, and there's a reason for that. Like, there's an episode set at DS Nine. Oh like, yeah, you so you did skip this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even after I told you there aren't any because spoilers because there. your version of what spoilers are in mine, <laughs> you know, are quite significant. Like, you know, that isn't a qualifier for me. Yeah, I'm I'm so close to the end of DS Nine, which um, you know we'll talk about in our revisit episode. How close are you to the end? I'm only 15 episodes away from the finale. Right. Okay. So, like, I'm okay. You so are close. close. Yeah. It's just brilliant. So I'm like, I just felt like, like I said, I owe it to not like under sell it or just kind of like if I know some people survive it's just going to take a little bit away from it do you do you not know because this is the thing right with this whole thing well while I understand you wanting to watch the rest of stuff do you not do you not already know who survives basically well I'm, I'm, I have a good just through like cultural osmosis of Star Trek I, I feel like I feel like no, you just because, do know because DS9 has never really had the treatment it gets now in terms mm, of like right, it, you know, right, Noah right, Dex right. is like the first one to kind of actively reference it and kind of pull in voice talent from that show to sort of you know give it its due really it's like once Enterprise would never look back at that none of the movies ever use any PS9 apocrypha and so yeah I feel like this is the first time we're actually getting it referenced and I just feel I'm so close in I just want to like steer clear yeah. anything and yeah okay you probably could I probably could imagine like most of the crew survive but you don't know where they end up yeah, yeah. like do they stay on the state station do they like you know go on another yeah. job when you're that close to the end you're like, I may as well get there alright that's cool well yeah. what we're gonna do is cause literally it is a very individual episode the DS9 episode of this me and Matt will discuss that in a sealed spoiler section episode <laughs> of this podcast as usual we're discovering that basically spoiler <laughs> section of our podcast <laughs> is for episodes on that point as well it's like I am hopeful that there'll be an era of, of new Trek that does dare to go a bit more beyond stuff like we discovery was kind of doing it for a bit and to, to be fair discovery as a whole series hasn't really reflected on the past all that much but the way that you know Picard started as as a like let's bring back a fan favorite thing and now season three for as good as it sounds that it is I'm looking forward to seeing it 
it's like they have just fully gone, let's just do TNG again. So between the TNG and the original series references, between everything that's been going on, yeah, I guess your, your DS9s and your Voyagers, and especially your Enterprises, hasn't had as much referential stuff. And I kind of hope it doesn't need to start. Like, you can just carry on doing more new stuff. Like, I love someone new to come and have the keys to everything and be like, cool, okay, a couple of new series and they're going to be completely new stuff. And I guess Lower Decks, on its own, despite all the references within it, kind of is that, in that it's its own ship, its own crew, but bedded into, like, canon, you know? Like, like you know, Freak shows up and stuff, but... Yeah. So what you mean is you want, like, Star Trek to have its Andor, or something, yeah. where it's, like, literally mm. something so completely far removed and different from anything else we've ever seen in the universe that it's like holy shit this is yeah any universe yeah yeah, this transcends the kind of genre or 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 franchise as it were yeah yes yes yes. well yeah i'd like to see that so what about you then uh yeah so (laughs) i've had a weird journey with lower decks (laughs) season one i really didn't enjoy that there's like a couple of episodes maybe that i thought were decent i remember well basically it's the, the finale i remember thinking was good in general but even then it had the dreaded badgie in the finale so like you know it, it still annoyed me then season two i definitely think is the best season out of the three i think season two is a big step up from season one there was genuinely kind of in general kind of enjoyed the episodes and there's there's a couple of episodes from season two that I thought were really good, like the episode uh, where it shows the lower decks of different species. So it had the mm. Vulcans, the Klingons. Yeah. I, I still think that's probably my favourite episode, the whole thing. Like, they, I thought that was a really clever, fun little idea that could have been bad and they made it good and funny and also, like, tense. Mm. Like, the whole Vulcans in that episode was hilarious. And the Klingons, and it was like genuinely their subplot was genuinely tense and stuff like that. Yeah, season two, I think, was a success. Season three is an interesting one for me because it's not that I like hated it or anything like that, although there is one particular episode I really did not care for, which we'll, we'll get into that. And there were episodes where I was kind of middling on, but in general, I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. And the, the we'll talk about it later, but the DS9 episode I liked and the finale I liked as well. But in general, I was watching it going, this is fine. But I was like, oh, this is, this is what this show is in terms of we talk a lot on this podcast about how discovery is a show that was kind of reinventing itself every season and we were trying to find out we were like, at the end of every season we were like, what is this show yeah. and then in season four i feel like we finally got a feeling of what the show was mm. and it kind of felt like yeah that is what it's going to be or at least that's what it probably would have been if it had continued beyond season five uh, i think we finally settled on what the show was going to be well the question now is will <clears> season <throat> five do another reinvention and well, then end yeah exactly <laughs> exactly well, I, that's the thing. I don't think it will. I think it will do a similar season to season four, yeah. but it'll be truncated and then they'll have to change the ending to make it more finite. But with Lower Decks, it was a show that essentially the first season was super, super, super heavy on the references and the Easter eggs to like its absolute detriment. 
And then the second season, because they spent the first season at least having, building up, getting to know the characters, second season was a lot more actually finding humour through the actual characters themselves. That kind of was a lot better, uh, but still with the Easter egg portion of the show. I think that's always going to be part of this show because that's, you know, that's part of the selling point of it. And, And to be fair, part of the thing that some fans will really love about it. And then season three, I kind of feel just continued on that bent and was just kind of like, yeah, so we're still that show. We've established our characters now. They are who they are. We're in a kind of sitcom world here where they're going to not really change. They're going to have little storylines and stuff like that, but really they're going to stay reasonably similar. And there's going to be, you know, some nice Easter eggs along the way and that's it. And I kind of feel season three, I'm like, this is now settled to what this show is going to be. If you look at all of what the characters are doing, I feel really, certainly in terms of Boimler and Mariner, uh, they're very much wheel spinning in terms of those characters. They're kind of going through the same motions that we've seen them go through in previous seasons, again, and I'm kind of like, oh, that's what we're just going to do every <laughs> season, I guess. And that is going to be the show. And, you know, your enjoyment in that may vary. I think that's where I stand. I don't know. I think there's more growth here. I'm really, like, certainly with Boimler. Like, but you love Boimler, don't you? Yeah. I, 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 maybe I say, it feels like a, a new time every time I come on it, but, like, uh, Feels fresh. We say, "I love Boiler." I'm really like, uh, and and the bowl of Boiler is is great comic value, where he just says yes to stuff and just seeing what he's saying yes to. There's like yes. hunted around the ship. <laughs> uh, it's definitely a highlight of the season for me. And then the fact that it doesn't go away. Like, no, he, he carries on. He the carries boy, on. Bold Boiler throughout the season, and um, you know, leading to kind of like the way he sort of. But I see a lot of myself in him in terms of like the you know where he kind of like does an impression of Shaxx and Shaxx walks in and is like broken hearted. Like, it's, it's really <laughs> that was funny. And then you know he spends a whole episode like you know killing himself of like how he's perceived. <laughs> and then at the end he's just like listen to Shaxx. And he has this gesture about the walk coin. They all like cheer as he runs down. I think that bit's some of the best of the, in Lower Decks we've ever seen. Yes, that was, that was funny, yeah. And, a little um, victory run, like little the parade run. Everyone's like running, like, clapping alongside, like, as a relay race. Uh, <laughs> only even some bagpipes, like, to kind of just bring it off. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, so I think Boimler just has great sort of, but he's also now on the bridge. I think you're starting to see them more alongside the main crew. Mm. And I think those characters as well have grown in this series where you're getting a bit more screen time dedicated to, like, main engineering, so Billups, Billups, and then you've got, like, you know, when they go to the spa, like, it's pretty much none of them, like, only one of the lower deckers is there. Tendi, like, has more screen time with the um, sort of counsellor, the bird man. Yes, yeah. yeah. The, the whole bold Boimler thing is fine. Uh, I thought I thought it was uh, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh okay, this is this is a thing. I just love that it started out as like mate, like loser mate becoming captain. It's just like goddamn. Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously that builds up essentially to an episode, episode eight, where he discovers that his um, mm. transporter twin William, who's been serving on the Titan has died in a gas leak and that kind of makes him reevaluate things and kind of like i kind of feel like that's the conclusion of the bold boimler kind of arc 
back in a way because he ends up uh, on the holiday, end up visiting Sulu, doesn't he? Uh, who's now residing on Kirk's farm from generations. <laughs> and I was um, like, and, uh, is this Takei? It is Takei. It, yeah, 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 it didn't yeah. really sound like no, it. No. I think it's just because he's older, probably. Yeah. It's just because he's older. Going but it was a nice little cameo from him. And he kind of just, he kind of teaches Boimler to embrace like randomness rather than just like saying yes to everything. And there's a random funny thing which just apparently says, oh, my horse is going to bite you now. (laughs) It's quite funny. But yeah, that was a nice little, nice little cameo. I thought that was actually worked quite well because it felt quite kind of small and just, uh, just a nice little moment uh, for someone that, because Boimler's such a fanboy because he, like you said, which is probably why, you're right to in some way, Paul, because it's like he kind of is the audience, isn't he? He's kind of like the Star Trek audience. Yes. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. You kind of like view it through him and sort of like when he's he's excited to be around the people, the characters that you know and love. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think the live action proposition we've got coming into Strange Worlds is going to be <laughs> it's very exciting. I've got, I'm really jazzed for it. I can't wait to see him and Spock share screen time. Yes. Um, that's going to be fun. How long till we get a first still? Like, look, like Quaid with purple hair. Well, that's the thing, because I, I am like Quaid, especially, I think does look, just look like Boimler. Like, in terms of like, I don't think they're going to have to do that much <laughs> to make him look like his character, like, particularly. Yeah, there was an article just came out this week, interview with Jonathan Frakes, who's directing said crossover episode on Strangely Worlds who confirmed that, yeah, it's going to start in the animated world and then they're just going to come through onto Strangely Worlds suddenly. That's going to be so action. weird because you'll be pressing play on Strangely Worlds and it'll start like a lower deck episode. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And he did say, he did confirm that, yeah, Boimler's like obsessed with Spock and stuff like that, which is, it w- will be really funny. Like, are they 100%? I am looking forward to that. And I do think it will be quite interesting to see Tony Newsome uh, in live action as Mariner as well. Yet yeah, talking about Mariner, again, another character I kind of feel kind of never really quite changes in terms of she kind of is the antagonist of her own show in uh, many, many ways. She's the kind of agent of chaos who's around and getting kind of annoyed with her mum, who's the captain of the ship, and Starfleet a little getting a bit disillusioned with Starfleet and stuff like that. And that's kind of like and usually by the end of the season she kind of comes back around well, each season. Like, like she's the only one who's not chaotic, like where she's talking up the ship, wasn't she? Like Yes, yeah, yeah. You yeah. play at your expectations of the character against you as the viewer. I didn't feel that twist like only really worked for me. Oh what when she leaves. No, that 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 basically she'd kind of like not told them all the truth about what happened on the ship and how crazy it is. Oh, right, The reporter, yeah. you know, that she, you know, when she's trying to, like, get in and speak to her, but she's being shut out of it. Yes, yeah. And they all it she's... turns out it's not her at all. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, Everybody yeah. else, yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of, like, that's the growth in the character, isn't it? It's like, you know, she's she's driven out. She's driven away. Yeah, right? well, she's yeah. transferred. She's transferred out to another ship. I love that. Like, it was one of the first bits of Starbase 80. Like, I wanted to see more of Starbase 80, where they're, like, hmm. you know, all, like, the... They wear these horrible yellow outfits and kind of like they were like stoners or whatever. And Boyd was like, "The yellow wouldn't look good on me." When uh, when he's like threatened with being, when they kind of mop all the fleet, and he's like convinced he's going to be sent to Starbase Eighty. But like, I just think that's I I thought seeing more of that, like her in that horrendous. Atmosphere. Well, she quits in like five minutes, doesn't yeah, she? Because like, she yeah. takes a job with Petra Aberdeen. Uh, who's played by Georgia King, who was Amanda Snodgrass in Vice Principals. Oh, uh, yeah. Daniel McBride's love interest in that. Who's actually Scottish. 
which she oh. didn't realise at all because she's like playing British in this, playing American in Vice Principals, and she yeah she's Scottish. Yeah, she was uh, fun. She came along in is, in is in Britain, but well, in English, <laughs> English. English. Yeah, 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 because she's very much in this. She's very much using like, a cut glass. Yeah, yeah she is English yeah. accent because she uh, turned up in the fifth episode, Reflections, okay. where. Boimler and Mariner are kind of at this kind of careers fair. Yes, yeah. Who <laughs> basically get Starfleet <laughs> applications. And uh, Petra Aberdeen is in shoes, who used to be Starfleet, and now she's out on her own. She's a bit kind of mocking mm. of uh, Starfleet and how it is, and everything, which drives Boimler up the wall, and he ends up going mental, like uh, defending Starfleet. Uh, but yeah, the, a, a budding romance between Mariner and Petra, and mm-hmm. they end up flying off together into the sunset at the end of the penultimate episode. Had they established in previous seasons that Mariner is? I didn't read any sort of sort of thing there. What they didn't they didn't make out or anything like that. They were like. Oh, I thought I hundred percent thought they were having a proper romance. No, not at all. She has that whole crush on someone. Is it is it Petra that goes and has to sleep over in the quarters and stuff? Yeah, I think that's somebody else. That's is it? That's the blue skinned. Oh yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they, so they she, have a bit of like a. Ooh, yeah, without oh, saying. I think that's why. So she hundred percent is either bi or lesbian, like going like you know. But um, yeah, I think I just thought yeah they totally had, especially when they go off on the ship together and the end of the part. I was like yeah they're like definitely. definitely. Yeah, I think they could have like made that overt like by yeah, you, but they yeah. didn't. They should have had a hardcore sex scene. Is what you're saying? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, like, literally like man- <laughs> manga style, like <laughs> <laughs> hentai. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like literally well, push, push the adult animation. Yeah, there ever. is probably some site on the dark web that's got. That. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there is. Let's stop the podcast and look for it right now. <laughs> 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 you never know what you can find on Discord these days. <laughs> but yeah, but what's quite interesting is, of course, in the end, she saves the day. Because in the finale, she basically, I mean, that's a kind of on your left moment, isn't it? Where she turns up with the entire fleet of California-class ships. Because the main big story arc of the season is that a uh, character called Buenmigo, who's one of the, uh, he's an admiral, isn't he? Yeah, they do allude to like, you know, you're one of those mad, you're mad admirals again, are you? Like, <laughs> yes, like yeah. every admiral is always dodgy or something in Star in, Trek. In Star Trek, yeah, yeah, which was quite funny. But he basically has a plan to automate the Starfleet ships and they yeah. do it all through AI and make them so they mm. don't have to have crews. It's basically trying to get rid of the California class of ship, basically that meant to be like the ship class of ship, yeah. isn't it? And he's trying to get rid of them. And uh, we discover that he was behind uh, Captain Freeman's framing. He was also behind uh, Rutherford having his He's implants. Or for all our pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we discover about halfway through this season in the Reflections episode as well that uh, Rutherford in the past was like an engineer, tried to develop new technologies, stuff like that. And he was involved in a big explosion. And then he was given that implant, which basically wiped his memory. And because of that, he can't remember. And that was, again, part of this guy's plan. 
to uh, make all these kind of automated uh, Starfleet ships. He's gone completely bonkers. But in the end, he's hoisted by his own guitar because he's killed by his own creation. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's a great yeah. moment because that's played really like straight as well. Yes, it, it is. starts yeah. firing on him and he's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that whole idea of AI ships, like AI, like Starfleet ships as well, slowly becoming like sentient and activating and taking over Linther's big battles was a great way of... Yeah. Yeah, like good finale, yeah. good finale. And, and you're right, it was a very uh, end-game moment with the arrival of all the ships. Yes. Like, everyone's going to have that in there now. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, they all turn up, because... and they are literally, it's, it's going to, it's like the portals, because they're going to all the different ships, go, USS, report for duty. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that coupled... was great. Like, <laughs> like, that coupled with, as we've said, like, Shax's run to the warp core, and, like, the way they won out, spinning out of uh, warp and blowing them up with the, with the core. Yeah, it's a really great sort of action scene, anyway. I must say, I mean, I think Lower Decks does know how to do a finale because even the season two finale which wasn't quite as strong as the others like still like you know end every season's ended on a really decent episode mm-hmm. season one uh finale is still good despite badgie inclusion yeah, well so, yeah. it's now a good time to mention oh. the badgie in the room well yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it, yes so at the end of the stars at night which is the finale which I was like oh it's a really good episode really good <laughs> we get the credits you're like oh I guess and... I'll just turn my TV off and reflect <laughs> on this good episode oh wait a minute and I was like oh th- this seemed to end quite fast and abruptly uh, I'll just check to see if there's any, anything after the credits and yes there was there was a return appearance by the dreaded badgie <laughs> Uh, the bad guy um, in the first season played by Jack Brayer. Jack Brayer. Jack Brayer. And uh, he returns at the end. Someone is kind of pulling Badgie back out of wherever he ended up. Like, yeah, and he's ha ha ha. Yeah, he's obviously going to be brought back for season four. And God, I think it was at that (laughs) moment that I was like, maybe I can't do any more (laughs) lines. (laughs) <laughs> maybe it maybe it is it for me yeah I, i'm gonna see how the crossover goes and uh, see if that great, pushes me back and it's such uh, a great spit take because it was you that told us like oh by the way there's a post credits yeah. in this i was like oh liam says there's a thing yeah and if you had known you would be watching season four without any doubts so. yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh because the thing is i've got to say this season brought back a few elements of season one which i was just like uh, why are you reminding me of season one? Because, like, you know, just... Because not only did we have Badgie, <laughs> but in episode seven, a mathematically perfect redemption, we had Peanut Hamper, who's also a character in season one, uh, another awful character from season <laughs> one, who was the exocomp ensign, who I'd completely forgotten about, probably dislodged from my memory, mm-hmm. who wasn't quite as bad as Badgie, but was still incredibly annoying, who ended up kind of disappearing, basically abandoned them at the uh, last moment because she didn't want to put herself in danger. And this is basically the story of what happened to Peanut Hamper after season one and goes off and meets like the bird people and ends up in kind of a weird kind of sexual relationship with a bird <laughs> person and stuff like that. I mean, God, I thought this episode was absolutely awful. Like literally, I gave it, I'm now on a app 
called Serialized. Is Letterboxd not enough for you? Uh, well, no, clearly not. <laughs> uh, Serialized is basically the TV version of Letterboxd, and you can keep a, a diary. And it's actually, I've got to say, for this podcast, especially doing all these seasons, it's been really useful because it's been able to track <laughs> the entire season as I've watched it, and I've been able to look back over the season after I've done of the individual star ratings I've given each each episode been like get an overview of the uh, of the season and this one I awarded one star I thought it was absolutely terrible definitely the worst episode since like season one I think there's probably episodes in season one that I'd potentially give one star to as well but this one just god awful just insanely annoying character Peanut Humper as a character is just a complete dick because I, I assumed that the episode would be like like a redemption arc for the character. And it wasn't at all, because at the end, they're still a dick, uh, still just basically try and manipulate everyone. They end up in megalomanical computer storage at the end. Yeah. And again, it's set up as if they're going to return at the end of the episode. So I was like, you. fuck's sake, don't bring them back. Well, look, I... I just shock you. Oh, I quite like this episode. Oh, I quite enjoyed this episode. Fuck yeah, yeah. it now. Because, I'll tell you why, the character is annoying on purpose and I like that it didn't go... Like, it was so clearly set up as a redemptive story. But annoying on doubled, purpose is not a good thing. But I'm glad they doubled down and go like, no, actually, I still do this to fuck you. But also because the character is voiced by um, Keith Donahue, who is hilarious and great in You're the Worst as... Mm. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm sure she is, yeah. but she was hilarious and great, yeah. But knowing that character she plays there, which is sort of like, well, not similar, but like, you know, she's the same voice, obviously. And I was like, I can see what energy they're putting into this character. And I'd sort of forgotten about Peanut Hamper as well. I was like, Peanut Hamper? Yeah, I mean, I had to look it up. Like, when, oh, that pre- when that previously on started, I was like, huh? Oh, yeah, I guess I remember this. But I thought it was like, oh, this is quite a fun, like, side bottle episode type thing. And I was like, oh, the whole, like, falling in love with the birds stuff, I was like, this is losing me a bit. But then when it kind of brought the main crew back That's in... That's when I was in. The birds, yeah. Like, the oh. falling in love with the bird When they started tying it all back into the main episode stuff, and then the, like, you know, the twists there, and some really great music in it as well. The music was great. Yeah. I was going to say the score in this whole season was really great. Yeah. Uh, at times, majestic. Cinematic. Some real Horner like esque yeah. battle music at the end of uh, the the finale as well, like during the space battle. I thought. Was... Oh yeah, it was definitely some Horner esque score in the holodeck movie episode as well. In Crisis Point Two, there was definitely some Horner esque music mm. in there as well. Well, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely shocked and flabbergasted. Uh, I, I think for me, I just thought I bought into the, the kind of weirdness of it. I was like, just yeah, I found it quite fun. Like I just bit of a change of pace I did, yeah, there have been episodes where I, I almost fell asleep in, and the crisis point one being one of them where I, I pretty much missed half the Sulu thing I woke up and I'm like oh. <laughs> it's fucking Sulu <laughs> yes, like, uh, and I didn't feel need to go back like yeah so, but, but I was awake during this because there was like some bird fucking a machine I'm like I'm in oh yeah see that whole thing I just thought I was like oh. <laughs> I've seen this before. <laughs> I, I was just like it's just you know I was so try hard I was like we've seen Team America years ago so flat. like literally we've reached Apex that's 2005 we've reached oh, Apex Mountain yeah. of like animated fucking like jokes on screen like I think like, honestly, yeah, honestly, um, yeah. yeah I, I like the design of the, the kind of what the alien species and I love the like you know, sky sky snake. It's like why do you call everything a sky snake? But like when the guy gets bitten and shit, and he's like, oh, it's, gonna, it's like a face It's your father. He was bitten by a sky snake. Father. Oh, it is the great circle. He takes my life with his venom, and I his with my spear. 
nothing to be done. All right, you're being a big baby. No one has ever survived a sky snake attack. Death will be swift. And when... <gasps> Annie Venom! <gasps> oh. <gasps> Father, how did you... Yeah, yeah, calm down. It's called science, which you could have if you didn't put up with straw and parasite water. Father, how do you feel? I feel wonderful. I also administered a little vitamin pack. You were low in, well, everything. And it's fun seeing like an AI sort of character be so sort of like bedraggledly human in, in mm. the performance and the way about it. It's like it was not just like another HAL 9000 thing. Mm. It's like, you know, this real fucked up sort of mm. person, but it's peanut hamper. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. About yeah. About Worst it. episode CBT I've seen this year. Mm. Terrible. I, awful. They, they, yeah. I liked the trust sources, number nine, which is the one I've alluded to with the reporter. Oh they, really? They, they, That's another one I wasn't that keen on. But, but they, not. I, it was fine. It was fine. I well, I, I think maybe the first bit was really great. Then when they go to the first planet and it's like a second contact. Oh, I know why you fucking like this because I was going to ask you about this because I was like, I put here sequel to Symbiosis TNG season two question mark. Yeah. Because literally, yeah. I think that's the one with um, Metric Buttrick who was in that. Yeah, that's what they're referencing, and I was like, "You'll know what that is." Yeah, so, yeah. but it's, it's well, it's just sad because he was dying of AIDS when he was making it, and he was oh, he's quite old. You know, he looked much older, like before his time. But yeah, they, you know, he was very ill when he made the made that show in the late eighties. Why? Why I think it's it was good is that like my mother-in-law was staying staying with us at the moment, and no. you know, we I had to watch the last two episodes uh, while she was there, and. Um, so she's got no context, and, I've, and all I know is that she didn't like Star Trek because mm. whenever Sophie tried to watch it when she was a kid, her mum was like turning it off and saying, "No, we're not watching this." <laughs> no. <laughs> and so you know, she's what you know confronted with a Star Trek animated show, which is like very tongue in cheek. She says, "Is this like a a, a takeoff of Star Trek?" It's like, is Star Trek taking off itself? Okay, and I think she kind of like she go forward a little bit at the uh, the joke about the pie night, which has been cancelled. The pie eating contest is cancelled, but I've been expanding my GI tract to store more pie. And I perfected dislocating my jaw. Mariner, what is your mom thinking? This is the biggest crew night of the year, not including Ponfars. Yeah, I don't really know. What... Hey, hey, man, no, not the pies. Hey, stop! We'll take those. Captain's orders: no contest, no pies. <laughs> I've been starving myself for days. Please, my body needs crust. Stand back, Ensign. I have my orders. Aww. Come on, guys. There's plenty to do around here that doesn't end in sugary diarrhea. Oh, maybe for you. Let's go grab some synthahol and sit to have a great time at the bar. Sir, look at me. Look at me. Please, just one. I can't. You know I can't. Then stun me. No. And she, I think she just sort of like maybe kind of just was in it for that. And then we go to this kind of like um, planet where they have the mural of like, you know, the Enterprise leaving and they leave them to get, all go cold turkey. Pans across, you've got all these people like screaming, crying. <laughs> then it like moves a bit further right and he's like, it's utopia. I just thought that was a really funny <laughs> representation of like, you know, a society. Like, of like what they do. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think Trust is sort of randomly, I will say that the peanut humper, peanut, peanut humper, peanut, she was peanut humper in that episode with bird people. Uh, the peanut hamper episode, I think just put me in a bad mood. Like in terms of like, because the next two afters, Crisis Point 2, I, I think towards the end, Sulu's inclusion and yeah. the surprise of William's death kind of won me over. But at the beginning, when it was just them doing a holodeck movie again, 
which they'd already done the previous season. And not only that, but in season one, they do a thing that isn't the Holodeck movie, but it's very similar to the Holodeck movie, where they kind of recreate the beginning of the motion picture and stuff like that. Like, so when they were doing it, I was like, they're doing this again? Oh, for fuck's sake. Like, it really, but I actually think with that episode, it was sort of clever, because it was, I kind of think they were deliberately making you think, oh, we're just doing that mm. again, and then go, oh, no, his twins died, and actually yeah. it wasn't what you were expecting. And I liked how it did run through referencing the Trek movies as well, like them going back to the 80s, like from Star Trek Four, and then confronting the God-being thing from Final Frontier. It's like they're running through and referencing the sort of greatest hits there. And the aspect ratio change in the film grain on all these stuff, which I'm, maybe it did the first time around, I can't remember. I like the one where there was the race between them and the, uh, the other shift. To like oh, yeah, Delta, Delta shift. And that had a holodeck interlude as well with Shax and the Doctor but shooting up a bank. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, like yes, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Room for Growth, the fourth episode, which is the one where they go to the spa as well. Yeah, which yeah. is, that is quite funny in terms of where Freeman's desperately yeah. trying to stop them from working. Because that was a funny comment on the thing of the Star Trek characters are fucking nerds. Especially yeah. these, because this is very TNG era. That's what they're trying to emulate the most. And it is that thing of just like, yeah, most people would be like, oh, break, spa, great. And they're all like, no, we must keep working. Yeah. Like, do it after that. Just it's inventing just... that machine that just like scientifically gets rid of stress. And the spa yeah. owner's like, destroy this thing immediately. <laughs> and there yeah. was quite a fun thing with that war with Delta Shift to get yeah. the individual rooms when they decide to, in the end, not win because they all want to stick together. And then at the end, they're just like, oh, you would have got. You're a, a room together anyway, so it's <laughs> like your choice. Like, like, yeah, I thought it was quite fun. There's quite a few fun little twists like that at the end of episodes that are often quite funny. So the first episode, Grounded, does that really well, where obviously Grounded deals with the aftermath of the season two cliffhanger, where Captain Freeman was arrested, and basically they try to prove her yeah. innocence. And the whole episode is a bit of a homage to Star Trek Free Search Spot. Uh, even with the characters, I think they're wearing similar costumes. Like, yeah. I think, like, yeah. And the host of this season is... Season it, it is Search of Spock. Spock. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they actually do the thing where they try to steal a ship. It's basically very much modelled in that portion of Search of Spock. And at the end, they just find out that basically they don't get anywhere with what they were doing. And at the end, Freeman turns up and it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's all fine. Because Starfleet just did their own investigation, found I was framed. And, you know, it's, it's all sorted. So you should just have faith in Starfleet. Because well, it's, it's, like, it's like the A-team, like the bridge team had their own like Star Trek movie off screen. Yes, like, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. amazing stuff. And they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that was fun. And I think it was a good way of resolving the very tapped on cliffhanger of the end of season two. And not only that, but I think they actually made that work really well. Because at first that felt very much like, a, oh, that was just a tapped on cliffhanger they dealt with in one episode, done. But in the finale, where you find out that the bad guy was actually behind her framing as well to try and get her out of the way. I think that was actually a good, really good twist to tie it all together and be like, oh, that she goes right back to the season two mm. finale. And it was all a part of this scheme. Like, I think that was really, really good. That was really well played. I can't believe we're at Deep Space Nine. Wait, wait, just buy me some time. Uh, sir, how, how do we do that? Uh, I don't know, just circle around and pretend we're in awe of the pylons. Um, Just keep circling. 
Okay, so we have stepped out to grab some alcohol and Paul has stepped out to allow Matt and I to talk about the sixth episode of Lower Deck Season 3, which we've been dancing around, which is Hear All, Trust Nothing, which I would say was the most hyped episode of the season. They featured some a big clip of it at the end of the Season 3 trailer, and they're like, oh my god, it's DS9. Uh, we do see the return of Nana Visitor as Kira. Yeah. And Armin Scheimerman as Quark. I think this was a good uh, little DS9. I like the music that came in, of course, the theme song. Yeah. And circling around and being like, like, how do we board this thing? It just keeps circling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that... The wormhole in the same place. That opening, which is the pre-titles, where they basically, yeah, recreate the title sequence of DS9, where, of course, it just tracks around the lovely DS9 model, is literally what they do at the beginning of this with the uh, Cerritos just tracking around and yeah, Ransom to keep circling. Basically yeah. recreate the title sequence in animated form, which was a lot of fun. Very funny. And then once we actually get on board, I mean, it's one of those things, like I say, because only two regular characters returned for the episode, I didn't really feel like it was particularly momentous in terms of like no. a return to Deep Space Nine. But I thought it was a nice little uh, sojourn. Yeah. And well, I liked how it was the just... characters had a fun little moment. Yeah. Course. I liked how it was just an episode basically <laughs> set at DS9 as opposed to it being anything bigger. Yes. And you get the sense that the feeling that, you know, work out as a DS9 episode meant that it got hyped up in the marketing and so people have been expecting like, oh, this is a lost DS9 something, something. When really it's just these characters going to this location and it just so happens that you know they're fans of it as well and Kira and Quark are there, but that's it yeah that's the thing because obviously this will be something that's set after the end of Deep Space Nine yeah. and I suppose one of the potential spoilers for someone like Paul uh, would have been that basically there aren't any characters there apart from Kira and Quark so whether those characters are dead... Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't think so. I don't know how DS9 ends, so... Cisco dead? Don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. I think this is either you're like, are they dead or just not there? Yeah, so if, in like, whatever if, so if in the finale of DS9, for example, if some character goes like, ah, my time here is gone, I'm flying off to wherever, like, that explains why they're not yeah. here now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people were excited about the potential idea of Avery Brooks appearing in this because of the fact that obviously Avery basically hasn't worked on screen uh, for decades mm. and I think a lot of people were very excited about the idea of him coming back like just even if it was as a voice or something like that and obviously that didn't happen um, which is which is a shame because uh, he's got a great voice it would have been fun to hear him in this but uh, yeah like I said Fun little episode. I think the whole thing with Boimler gambling was very funny. Like, that that worked well. Especially the whole thing with, at the end, he's just not even that bothered because he points out that, what's the point? Because we don't even use money anyway. So it doesn't <laughs> matter. And also it kind of brings back the whole thing of Tendi being from Orion and being related to couple pirates like Asira. That and she decides to embrace her pirate heritage. So mm. that's quite a nice character to develop for her. So yeah, I just thought it was I thought it was a fun little episode. It's one of my favourite episodes of the season. Yeah. Right. I will get go it. and get Paul back. Beam them back.
Paul has rejoined us now that we've finished talking about the uh, Deep Space Nine episode. And I think it's probably time that we went into final thoughts on this season. Paul? Yeah, it was... It was um, it, there's a season that kind of went down quite nicely. I, I, I think I really enjoyed revisiting the characters. I just find it very difficult to remember anything that happened. So, like, Same. for previous ones. So, Peter Hamper coming in, I'm like, what What was this? I also did this without the benefit of any previously ons. So, like, it was kind of coming in cold. So, even though there is a bit of continuity in the show, the episodic thing kind of bails it out quite a, quite a lot. Do you me. mean that's because there weren't any previously, or when you got to previously, you went skip previously, no, even no, though no. you didn't I downloaded the show, so, like, I didn't have, like, where they just... They started yeah. with the start of like logo, the new one. Yeah, yeah. Which I like. I like this way it's called yeah. it and the way it looks. It's good. And, and um, yeah, it's pretty classy the way to kind of begin. And um, and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> the, some of the music I said mentioned earlier is really good. Yeah, like I, I think um, I'm enjoying seeing more of the kind of regular bridge crew from this this show. I think they kind of realise there's there's gold in those hills. With uh, some of these characters like Ransom, like being paired up with uh, Mariner. Mariner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ransom gets a lot more too because Mariner is under his direct supervision for most of the season. At first, he's kind of enjoying having the power over her, but as the season goes on, he becomes more and more kind of annoyed with having to deal with it. And at the end of the season, he's paired with her again. He's really yeah. annoyed. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the bit where when they go to second contact, where he's like, you know, they were like health obsessed. He's like, how much do you bench? <laughs> um, this is uh, Jerry O'Connell, of course, who follows us on Twitter. So there you go. He's doing a great job. Hello, uh, Jerry. Yeah, Tendi and Rutherford, to a lesser extent, I mm. kind of like don't get along, along with them quite as much. I mean, Rutherford gets a few moments to shine, but I didn't really. I thought it was a bit uh, Armin Tazarian, his whole backstory uh, of like being like this speed racer, kind of like you know. Uh, oh yeah, well that bit when um, in the fifth episode reflections where he he has a race with Red Rutherford, his alternate personality, to see yeah. who can keep the body. Reminded me a bit of, uh, as always, uh, Body Swap from Red Dwarf, where Rimmer borrows Lister's body and then refuses to give it back <laughs> and ends up going on like a mad dash and they're chasing him like across like space where he crashes like Starbug in it, like um, while he's in his body. So that really reminded me of that. But don't try and follow me. Otherwise... Body gets it. <laughs> I understand there's like a bit more tendy backstory in the DS9 one, which um, I'll get to one day. But uh, yeah, it, for me, it's Mariner and Boiler, like uh, both my MVPs. Well, um, you know, I think it's telling that obviously they're the characters who are going over into yes. strange yeah. worlds. Because don't get me wrong, I mean, Tendi and Rufford, I think they de they definitely have their moments. But it does feel like Boimler and Mariner are the driving force of the show. You know, whatever you think about their characters, you know, Mariner, I think, sometimes feel like the show's own worst enemy in a way. But they are they are the double act. And they yeah. are kind of very, their relationship is the centre to the show. I, I think it's great because it's a foil of like, you know, she's, un oh, well, the thing is, up to this point, she's always unfireable. Mm, and I think yes. the way she's so laid back about stuff and like you know they're trying to rein her in against Boimler who's such a like you know kiss ass and trying to like climb the ladder yeah. they, they mind it but they don't mind it enough but that's why I enjoy that, that mm. interplay well it is an interesting dynamic isn't it I suppose because Mariner is the alpha of that relationship and yeah. Boimler is the beta which is an interesting <laughs> interesting dynamic to see I think between uh, like a male and female characters like what I hope really is the ending of this season I thought 
heralded a potential new era for Mariner because really the first three seasons has just gone back and forth, back and forth of like she gets annoyed and disillusioned yeah. with Starfleet. She's annoyed and disillusioned with her mum. It goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the ending of this where she chose to return and save the day, save her mum, save Starfleet, save her friends. And then she had the choice to continue off with Petra or come back and she chose to come back. Yeah. And I feel now maybe season four we see a more mature Mariner kind of actually pushing forward beyond that. I would like to see like it really get on the bottom of the skin. You know the Nepo baby aspect. Yes, yeah, yeah. If she started doing really well. Yeah, and then she started to plug the lights, and uh, uh, you know, and he's like, "You're not like this. You're what? Well, where did that person go? Yeah, like you know, now you're ascending and taking my spot. Like would be really interesting, Mm. and kind of like that would be a good way of kind of like." taking that relationship in another direction because yeah you've got an inherent tension here in that they are meant to be the bottom rung sort of crew so anytime someone can potentially go up how is that going to put a rift in their friendship and and career goals so it feels like almost like the show could be something where it goes saved by the bell the next generation or whatever where you could have a version of the show where like every season is different newly incoming Mm. lower deck new entrant ensign crew and then the other characters move on up and disappear, or there's maybe one of them who's just so shit he always stays around or whatever. Yeah. And so having that They're element there, up, yeah, where it's like someone's going up, someone's staying down, is always going to be... Well, we've got um, the Vulcan from episode nine of season two who's joined the crew at the end of this show. Yes, 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 which I did like. She was very funny in that episode. I said one of my favourite episodes, as I say from season two, plus played by Valencia from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I suppose, the thing is they've built up in this season the idea of the Cerritos being basically the best of the California class, aren't they? Because in the third episode, there's this whole thing about they meet another crew from the California class who's like, oh, the guys from the Cerritos are the real mavericks. You're all the coolest and we're all jealous of you. And then in the finale, obviously, they bring all the California cast ships together to save the day. I kind of thought maybe this will be... Because I I must say, and I think I've seen some fans comment on this, and I kind of agree in the sense of in Star Trek world, Starfleet world, this joke about all the California class and like the ship ships and the Cerritos is non-important kind of goes against the Starfleet ethics in a way in terms of everyone's important everyone's got something to kind of you know because it's like i suppose it's like having a whole ship of barclays isn't it in a way and i kind of feel like the ending of this season they kind of prove themselves like because you know they actually they take out the guy who was you know corrupt and planning to destroy them they are kind of like surely like but like uh they took out his creation yes yeah they took his creation his creation took out him (laughs) yeah and you thought by the end of this scene they can't prove themselves surely starfleet are going to be a bit more like oh maybe (sighs) you know maybe they deserve some more credit and they're going to go up in the world you know there are different ships of different things Mm. like um and that's been established in tng that you've got medical ships and they're not going to be in all the battles and and those things and you know, there are ships something to commit forward to the front line. Like the Enterprise is like kept back mm. from, the, from the battle with the Borg initially, and they have to like break orders to go and engage because like you know you're too valuable and Picard's history there is like too much of an unknown factor. Mm. Mm. So there's like you know there is like a pecking order and kind of like a decision being made. That's like not all 
ships are created equal. And I think that's what this show does as well. It talks with such reverence about like serving on the Titan or serving on Enterprise. Yes, yeah. They kind of like go, you know, that's what we kind of want. But they're making their name for the Cerritos, which is which is a nice way to kind of like, yeah, if we hit fourth is the final season or they're going towards like the last couple, it's great kind of art for them to sort of be the misfit kind of. Yeah, thing. maybe that will be the idea. Because yeah, season four is definitely happening. That's That's coming this summer. And I think that season five is confirmed as well. I'm pretty sure they've had that green lit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, at this point, they're still getting kind of the, the second choice assignments, aren't they? Second contact. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. So it'd be just interesting to kind of see them if they're breaking new ground and doing first contacts by the end of the show. That would be the... Yeah, maybe that would be the finale. Like, they're upgrading I do feel first like contact. You mentioned about this, this show kind of like doing the kind of sitcom thing and the reset. Like, it does to a certain extent, but it also... I do feel it's gradually moving forward a little bit. Mm. Like, okay. it's very by the, by the inches, but I feel like they are slightly growing and it's sort of, they're threatening, like, you know, to break the fellowship all of the time. Like, now at this point where, like, in the first season, like, none of these kids are, like, near command, like, but now they're just sort of, like, they invade a bit. They, they've been heroic more than, on more than one occasion. Well, Tendi has become a senior science officer by in this season and he's determined to become a captain. So I guess yeah. we could definitely see more of that. Yeah. And I think, so for me, like it, that bit remains interesting. And I, you know, I say it doesn't make me laugh. Like, I don't know, perhaps in the attention they want, but like, I, st- I still find it amusing. And I, I, yeah, it's a good show. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. There's no, like, like I don't see this show as a sitcom. Like it's a, it's the comedy animated series, but you know, I think of like Red Dwarf as a sitcom and that yeah. is very much situational. It's because it's funny. Well, well, yeah, but that's where like the main <laughs> thrust of it comes. Whereas this is more like, it is standalone stories, ongoing character arcs and things. And I think it's just becoming like recognizing that a bit more now and seeing where it can go. And I would like to see, like I'm calling it now, like, you know, could, it, could we could see at the end of season five if they carry on this sort of trajectory, like them all being main bridge crew on their own ship and like the final scene is them shouting some orders down to like their lower decks crew and, you know, on it goes kind of thing. But yeah, it's, I think that's the way it's kind of structured and played out. So the gags and things are kind of, it's like almost like a constant murmuring of sort of funny stuff happening as opposed to, that's how you're reacting above yeah yeah but it is that it's like this is amusing throughout as opposed to like here's belly laughs yeah something really set up and pay off in a certain way like this that's it there's no real set up and payoffs outside of maybe some of the plot elements or something in terms of the gags it's not really done that way so i guess the you know there's still room for star trek's proper sitcom show i guess but i don't think it would really suit it and i think this is the Mm. best way of doing it oh yeah i I don't think they're going to do another even more comedic version of star trek after this i think this is it and you know for me this was fine like you know there there are episodes i think are good i enjoyed the ds9 episode i enjoyed the finale and you know most most of the episodes like uh, of this i think are perfectly perfectly fine enjoyable um, there was only one episode like I full on hated at the end of the day. The, the majority of the episodes, uh, I think, uh, tend to be like, you know, three, three, three and a half star. I think I just was a bit like, oh, yeah, am I really up for spending more seasons with in, in this world kind of thing? Because I know what it is now. I'm just kind of like, yeah, we're just kind of, yeah, I feel, I do feel like it is wheel spinning. But, you know, I'm going to watch the crossover with Strange New Worlds. I'm intrigued for that. That That's going to be fun. Not only because I think Strange New Worlds is a better show, so I'm interested to see those characters turn up, but also just see those characters in live action. 
will be really interesting, funny. I actually, I mean, I've got... See if they're going to address, like, they are animated characters and some magic happens that makes them live action. Yeah. Or we'll we'll just see... Because the fact that we're seeing an animated part of it leads me to believe that, rather than just showing up and this is... Well, it almost seems weird because at the end of the day, like, Lower Decks appears to be set within proper Star Trek canon, like, in terms of... Because characters really... Oh, yeah, like yeah, of course. So it's like, you know, you would have thought they wouldn't have to jump from a one a universe to another. No, exactly. They, it's more a sense of they'd have to go back in time, but, yeah. like, you know, I don't quite know how it, it When works. that happens, it brings them into live action. Exactly, yeah. But yeah well, it's like with all know. these, um, you know, Star Wars Rebels characters showing up in Ahsoka and stuff. Yeah. It's like, they're yeah, live action yeah, now. Exactly, like, exactly. Well, well, Ahsoka was a, a CGI yeah. character, wasn't she? And now she's live action. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess that can work. And plus, cause I'm a more of a fan of Jack Quaid, of course, as a live action actor, thanks to The Boys. Very, very popular show on Amazon Prime, which is three seasons in. And I, yeah, I'm a big fan of that cause I'm a huge fan of the comic book, Garth Ennis's The Boys. And I actually think it's a really excellent adaptation. Jack Quaid plays essentially, I mean, the lead role, because he plays Huey. Carl Urban, another Star Trek alumni, plays the other lead, Butcher. But essentially, Jack Quaid is the the lead, really, um, as Huey, and he's very, very good and likeable in that show. Yeah, I am looking forward to seeing him in live action. For some reason, Young Bones, played by Carl Urban, is in that Strangely Worlds episode. And yeah, I know. I mean, that would kind of, that would kind of, that would kind of be perfect, <laughs> wouldn't it? If he turned up as as McCoy in that episode, that would that, just because they have that uh, you know shared uh, history in the boys, that would kind of be amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'll watch that and then I'll see if that makes me go, you know what, I can't wait to see these characters again in season four of Lower Decks and see if I can, you know, push past the potential return of Badgie. Well, you'll be Badgie's redemption. Yeah, well, I mean, literally, they tried to redeem Peanut <laughs> in the seventh episode of this year and it did not work for me. So if they tried to do Badgie redemption, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be down with that. But... Uh, yeah, there we are. Lower Decks Season 3. We've, we've done another one. I'm amazed I've got this far, but there we are. So you can find us at Spotkite Pod, at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and email us at spotkitepod at gmail.com. We'll be back, as I say, with a, another episode catching up on all the new Trek TV. The next thing we've got to do is Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Part 2. Uh, so we're going to finish off that before getting into Picard season three. Uh, so we are getting there once done Picard season three. We will basically be fully caught up. Strangely World season two will start in June, but that's going to be weekly. Uh, so it probably won't finish until kind of late August time. So I think we will be pretty much caught up very soon. So this is exciting. And, uh, and then we'll probably be diving back into more the history of Star Trek and various different side projects with that. Obviously, our DS9 Revisited episode will finally be coming at some point because Paul is wrapping up their watch of DS9. And when you do that, I think it is time to revisit and get some... Find out what we left behind. Yeah, and get, some, and get some guests on who have never seen the show and see what they think of it. Because uh, I think we all make some very interesting picks now. So, until next time, live long and prosper, people. Live long and prosper.